Hey guys, welcome back to the OBD podcast with Austin and Joe, and we have a guest on today. So we have kind of a unique, well, a really unique guest today. Uh, this is someone that had reached out to me a few weeks ago, I think, with an idea um, for a business that he was starting. And I think it's a really cool idea, and we don't really have, it's stuff that we talk about, but we don't really have someone that necessarily caters to exactly this within the physique enhancement arena and i think that there should be somebody that offers this type of service so um we have dylan on dylan what's your last name it's bill you okay yeah so we have dylan on today and um he's going to talk to us about a company that's going to cater towards the psychological side of things he has a background in therapy he has a pretty impressive education resume so before we get into all that, uh, let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Austin. Thanks for having me today, guys. Um, yeah, I reached out to you a few weeks ago just to talk to you about my business idea. Um, the business I'm, I'm starting is called Stronger You Life Coaching and Wellness. And so um, just with my background, um, I joined the National Guard when I was 17, still doing that today. And so I decided to go to college for law enforcement, but really didn't like that and switched to psychology, loved it, loved the social psychology aspect of things, just how the, the person, th how people think, what they, how they do things, and um, I decided to get my bachelor's in psychology, got that in 2014, and just, I love help, helping people, I love, um, just, I started to work with children and families, and so just seeing the children change at the residential, I decided to go back and get my master's in clinical mental health counseling, and got that back in 2018. And I've been a licensed therapist since, um, working with um, just sex addiction and other co-occurring disorders and other types of addiction and just general mental health. And currently I'm in a private practice working part-time. And so I decided with just like all the COVID-19 and just everything shut down and slowing down a little bit, I decided to jump on that business idea and start that. So thank, I reached out to you and I'm glad you were giving me the support and let me be on here today. I appreciate it. Yeah, Dylan, it's definitely interesting to, to touch base on something like this because um, so this might help people listening to, to see what kind of approach you you use or something that you're offering here as such because what we see what is very common in the bodybuilding world is is lifestyle coaches or or mindset coaches so to speak and it's very much this esoteric self-motivation kind of stuff um maybe not necessarily well i don't want to say not evidence-based but you get where i'm coming from here is um very much uh a motivational speaking kind of way to to get stuff done is your service more aimed around what we can take from clinical practice of psychology and employ into bodybuilding realm yeah thanks for that question just um i was talking to another uh just coach about this just about like the ethics and legality stuff around just uh, therapy and psychotherapy and what separates like clinical counseling and therapy versus life coaching and there's a big difference like um i fall since i'm a licensed therapist i fall, fall under a board of behavioral health in arizona and every state should have one and so we have strict ethics and guidelines we have to follow and stuff like that. And so I plan on doing like a hybrid type thing because if I were to call it therapy and do therapy, I would have to 
do a lot. Of, I'd have to have a diagnosis of like anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I want to get away from the diagnosis piece. And so if somebody does have anxiety, depression, eating disorders, I'm so able to treat that. I wouldn't necessarily call it psychotherapy. It's going to be a hybrid life coaching mix. I'm going to have some clinical pieces, some behavioral uh, stuff like that. Um, so behavioral therapy, things like that. I just don't want to call it therapy just to stay away from like those ethical and legal aspects of things, if that makes sense. Okay, understood. Yeah, it, it, it kind of piqued my interest recently and in, in looking at this from a, a couple of angles. I don't know. So here's an example. I don't know if you follow um, Eddie Hall very much. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a celebrity over here, but he worked with what I believe to be a psychologist or something like this recently where prior to setting his... Um, world record 500 kilo deadlift they they went through this process of setting up an environment in his in his own mental state to develop some kind of trigger to be able to um develop this huge sort of sympathetic drive in order to to drive performance are you looking at in potentially harnessing clinical practices to increase performance or is this more so maybe how to decrease stress response or, or something like this what what angle are we going at in terms of a um, myotrophic benefit for bodybuilders here I, w- I would definitely say both um i know for example like um i think are you familiar with tony robinson uh, one of the like one of the world's famous life coaches tony robbins yeah yes i mean like he calls himself a life coach he goes around he's a very inspirational he's very successful he gets people motivated he gets under some underlying issues with people too and so for me it's i'm I'm not going to take a totally opposite approach it's going to be more of a just like like you said it's going to help improve performance and help get rid of some symptoms so decrease symptoms so if somebody's depressed or anxious or um or just some like life stresses, relationship issues, we can work on those issues, decrease symptoms, and in return, help increase performance. Does that all make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's highly like into individual, isn't it? I know some people that, um, for example, maybe before their top working set, they're extremely nervous and they get themselves so psyched up that they, they ruin their performance. And, and these are some people that could definitely benefit from someone like you in terms of facing that set with, with a, a positive mindset, so to speak, or, or, or more confident. But then there's people on the other side of the spectrum that get so worked up and so amped up and so aggressive that they can't put that much into it when it comes to it, you know? Yeah, like stress management and stress in general, it's like a bell curve. So you can use stress to your advantage or it can be a hindrance too. So if a person's stressed out about something, that could be a good thing. It could give them motivation to change their habits. It could give them motivation to, um, you know, lose weight or do better. And um, with their job, with their performance or whatever it is. And then, it, like you said, when it becomes too intolerant, it becomes a, um, an impairment in that person's life. They become, they, they turn to substance use maybe, or they quit working out altogether, or they start to become angry and aggressive and their relationships suffer. So it definitely, you can use stress and stuff like that to your advantage. It's just, it's just knowing how to, and like, it's definitely individualized. Per, like, so yeah, I definitely agree with you, Joe. Yeah, I think a lot of bodybuilders are um, guilty of looking at nutrition, drugs, supplementation, training, but then discount like, let's say what would happen if all of those things were nailed and, and one individual only had like 
excess sympathetic drive when they were training and at all other times they were perfectly relaxed and chilled as compared to somebody that was always a little bit stressed out i bet the mm-hmm. the difference in progress would be ridiculous so that managing that could be almost top of the tree yeah it's it's like and it's something that joe and i talk about too like you have a finite amount of recovery resources right so all stress accumulates whether it's stress from work or stress from training or stress from relationship or whatever so you know these people they nail like just said they nail all these other aspects and they train hard and, and this and that and they might even sleep good right they might even have good sleep but but we have in especially in this industry where we it's so filled with all of these uh very neurotic very obsessive compulsive like all these people that are really drawn to anxiety disorders mm-hmm. you know and they so they're just like that all the time they they always and i don't think people are necessarily even aware of it you know um because they have that kind of like subjective well-being like they think that that's just how they are but they're always kind of a little elevated all the time and it's just it's slowly just wearing their body out wearing their nervous system out it's slowly just you know dumping cortisol and adrenaline and all these things all day long at just a a slow rate but it cuts into all their recovery resources and i mean you can and you can see it you you can see it as a coach too in the way people like obviously joe and i do a lot through email so we're not getting we're not always getting to hear someone's tone but you can you can just watch the way somebody types and read their emails and tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once you, when you've done it for a while and I mean, I have clients like that. They're just, and I, (laughs) they're just on edge all the time. They're not on edge where they're, they're having an episode and they can't function at work, but they're on edge all the time to where it's, it's just cutting into everything that they're doing, you know, and it's these generalized like anxiety disorders can then also kind of, manifest and turn into other things like being depressed right mm-hmm. you know so it, that's and that's what happened to me when i was you know younger you know i had a lot of issues with depression but it, it really manifested from the anxiety just wearing me down to the point where i was depressed yeah and often look at what happened to your adrenal function as well <laughs> right well there I, you go yeah sure. i had this i had a consult with a bloke today that was like uh you know i'm dying i'm really hungry so like I was thinking about using subutramine and I've bought this, um, this product that's got DMMA and, and, um, yahimbine and cleaning it and caffeine. And it's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. You know, when we consider the sum of like allostatic load, like you're not sleeping well, you've got really high resting heart rate and then you're driving stimulant intake on top of that. And then you're not, you know, when you think three words, you know, always at what cost, so at what cost is driving this additional sympathetic tone doing when you're not attenuating that added stress, the other side, and accounting for that in your whole allostatic load by, you know, uh, things get more common now. More bodybuilders are into their sleep hygiene and, and pre-bed routines and stuff. And I feel like, Dylan, this is where your service is going to slot nicely into autonomic nervous system management for bodybuilders. People are just yeah. seeing it now. 
Yeah, exactly what you both said. It goes back to like the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic. Like people are usually just on the go constantly and then they hit the gym and they're eating and it becomes more of a, like a job. And I know for a lot of athletes, it is a job. It's like they're, it's like nine to five, you know, wake up, eat. And it's even before nine to five, it's their life. It's how they live, their lifestyle. But then you get to a point where they're just like, they're in that constant, that constant sympathetic nervous state where like it, it takes a toll on the nervous system and they're fight or flight they're always anxious they're always like high strung and they're worried about this worried about that and always thinking about the next thing instead of being present they're eating and not really thinking about eating or they're lifting and they're just not really thinking about lifting and they're just worried about the next thing and so when a person gets to that parasympathetic where they're relaxed and they can digest that food and their cortisol levels are low so they're not Putting, they're not holding that fat and stuff like that. They're able to build muscle properly and stuff like that. It all plays a big part. And so I know a lot of coaches don't really focus on that with their athletes just because like they're busy with a lot of their clients um, with their nutrition, with their workouts, with other things like that. And they have a bunch of them too. So that's what I want to do is take some of that load off the coaches and help them just walk alongside the coaches and help them with their clients. So if they do have a client that's struggling, that's really high strung, that's, um, that's following all the, the, the protocols, the diets, but they're seeing like they're having emotional issues, behavioral issues, or they're just like really depressed or anxious about like maybe they're, they're post competition or something, or even before competition, they can send them my way and I can just help them, you know, find like the underlying issues of like where the anxiety is coming from or what's got them depressed and things like that. And we can work on those issues so it can just, they can look better on stage or they can be better prepared for their next, like, you know, powerlifting competition or whatnot. Right. I like that structure. Is this, is this something, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, I was just going to say like, um, so for example, there's quite a few coaches in the UK that don't um, handle performance enhancing drug use for their clients and they'll subcontract that off to me and we'll work alongside. So I think that structure would work well if, if like a coach could subcontract their like nervous system management, like beyond the basics. Like I think most coaches at least should be monitoring stress management, sleep management, and, you know, and potentiating those effects the best they can. But there's a certain level of expertise that a coach just will never get to like yours, Dylan, you know? So if we could subcontract off to you as, you know, in a private consultation manner, that, you know, that really would be some nice icing on the cake, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this is something I've noticed and, and you being the professional here, I, and do you notice too that you, you brought up a good point with people being on the go all the time? And I think just lifestyles in general and are just busier than they were. You know, they always say, they always used to say things were slower, right? <laughs> Which whether that's true or not, I don't know because I, I didn't experience that. But um, I think a lot of the stressors now are almost unavoidable. So I think that perception is really the key, right? You know, how you perceive things and how you manage things because I get you get at least I see this a lot as with clients where they're just trying to eliminate these stressors that are pretty much impossible to eliminate mm -hmm. during the you know and that in the whole it really just boils down to how they how they perceive things because more or less they're going to be doing the same stuff every day anyhow mm -hmm. and it's definitely so is that is that something that you see a lot like just working on perception versus elimination well 
the good thing about perception is like everybody has their own perception about things and reality about things and it's goes back to like how a person grows up it's like how like i was raised it's like you know like the teachers that i had it's like the, the neighbors is the people i grew up with and then as i get older the way i think about things or my perspective about like the world myself and others definitely it gets influenced and it gets reinforced by the things around me and so when a person thinks a certain way for most of their life about something it's really hard to change that mindset and a good thing about like just thinking and like the resiliency factor is it's um, able to it's adaptable and it's able to change but it's there the anxiety depression is all there all those symptoms are there to protect that person and to keep them safe to make them feel safe so a person that's always thinking about things that's always like on high alert or high stress it's there to keep them safe about whatever they're they're fearful of and so um like you said uh, the perspective and when they're on the go constantly they don't really think about something or they're not present and what they're thinking about it's just a habit and so when they get to notice like how they think about something and eventually like maybe they're thinking about something in black and white it's all or nothing or they're always generalizing something or they're comparing themselves to others or they're comparing their situation to somebody else's so beginning to change the way they think those thinking traps or thinking errors is a good way to help like solve the person's problem they can become more you know hopeful optimistic and stuff like that so building that resiliency and uh, the way the person thinks is important too yeah yeah right because sometimes and obviously like life experience helps with that the more stuff you experience the kind of the less stressful things are because you have maybe experienced them before you know if that makes sense mm -hmm. yep. but but you know i think another thing too joe and i had kind of talked about before the call was that with a lot of these people especially like a lot of these people that are very like ocd tendency or very type a personality if you want to use that term they they need they need something they need steps, right? They need something that's more concrete that they can do and work on versus, cause like, we like metrics. We like things that are quantitative. We use, mm -hmm. you know, we use weight on the scale. We use photos, obviously, you know, looking at people's physiques, but we use weight on the scale. And now to track sleep we and stress, we use things like HRV and resting heart rate. And we have blood work, you know, to look at people's health parameters and all this stuff. So we like, we like stuff that we can measure and see and that's where i think some of these that's where i think some of the self-proclaimed type of life coaches kind of falls short because mm -hmm. yeah it does it does work great for some people that whole um that whole very vague concept of motivational speaking and this that and it does work great and i think some of them do have a good message but sometimes i think people need steps you know what i mean to actually to actually improve yeah, and you make a good point. It's um, like when a person starts to feel good, that's important too. That's a lot of qualitative data right there. I like how you talked about like you get the blood work done to see like are my cortisol are my cortisol levels high, or other like issues going on too. Is like you know my blood pressure high or just things like that. It's really important because you get that quantitative data right there. And also, how how do you feel? Like do you feel that like you're always stressed out? So it's a good like you know self report measure too. But the good thing about like research there's qualitative and quantitative data too. So for example, if a person is depressed, okay, what are the symptoms for you? Is it hard for you to get out of bed? Do you just, do you isolate? Do you want to sleep more than like, do you want to sleep all day long? Do you avoid 
things like that. But there's also assessments that like psychologists or therapists can do. Um, like for example, for depression, it's like the Beck depression inventory and stuff like that. And so you do, you get that quantitative data too. And so you, you give that to them in the beginning, they take it, the score might be pretty high. And then after they do, you know, 10 weeks of therapy, you know, two months, or they're doing therapy for six months, depending on how severe the depression is, then you, they, they get retested. And then you see that, you know, it's decreased by half. They're feeling better. They're, they're self-reports like, I'm doing a lot better. I'm getting out. I'm exercising more. I'm eating right, stuff like that. So there's a, definitely, it's important to get both sides of things as well. Yeah, I feel like there's a psychological phenotype that, that this really suits. Um, I suppose it's like analogous to, so you could say, Austin, this will make sense to you. Like you could say to somebody, like John Meadows feels like seems like a good example here. By the way, stay safe, John, and get well soon. Um, let's say just go in the gym, train really hard, get a pump, be internally focused. That's all you need to do. Just you know, train hard and really drive that mind muscle connection, and you know, great. So that's one phenotype. The other person needs to say, okay. I need to incrementally add X amount of load on the bar over Y amount of weeks to drive this degree of protein accretion, right? So we've got two very different things there. Um, similarly, psychologically, I think some people will be the sort of phenotype to respond well, like you said, Austin, to the, to the David Goggins, Tony Robbins kind of um, rhetoric of motivation. But then some people that will want quantifiable data to work from you know and that, and that's missing for me I, or at least i've never seen that side of things you know definitely i know like like you said some bodybuilders like definitely they stick to the science and some just you know look how they they like like they train how they feel stuff like that so it goes back and forth too and finding a good like in between is important mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree. Like I said, I, it can be a mixture. I, I would say I kind of fall in that mixture too, but if you get too, you get too much on the side of the very vague, uh, uh, motivational stuff, it's just a little cheesy for me. And I, and, 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 let, and let's face it, that is, I feel like you can temporary temporarily manipulate anyone's mindset for a very short time but that motivation is very fleeting right it's not yeah it's this, not, is, this is something i wanted to talk about for sure right it's not it's not always and the thing is it's it's very easy to do things and to execute things and to get through your day even like you know when i struggled a lot with you know what was extremely bad in terms of depression anxiety the good days were fine. I wasn't worried about the good days because they were good, right? There's, I didn't need anything on those days. But on the bad days, I'm like, man, I'm really having a hard time sticking to the principles that I have to manage these symptoms, right? Because it's bad and your mood's terrible, you know? So that's why that motivate that concept of motivation is so it's so easy to do things when everything's going right, but it's very difficult to do them when they're not. Yeah. So this is the challenge. Like for me, like motivation seems like just bullshit because I mean, I was talking to an American client yesterday who was saying, you know, oh, to be honest, man, I know you haven't heard from me for a couple of weeks because you know, that some days I'm laying it, but then some days I just don't feel motivated. So I don't just do it. And I, and I said, you know, to be honest, nobody is motivated to do, difficult shit every day but what you have to be is 
driven and just do it anyway. So what would be really interesting if, if there was some psychological um, clinical practice and that you can apply to, because no one can drive motivation, right? No, you can listen to as many motivational speeches on YouTube as you want. It's not going to work every day, but how do we stay driven and just do the task anyway, even when we don't want to do it? You know, what cues do we use to do that? That's something I'd be really interested in. Definitely. And it goes to like, um, there's different types of motivation, internal versus external motivation, mm. punishment versus reward system, stuff like that. So positive and negative reinforcement. So it goes back, it's definitely individualized too. So what motivates a person depends on like what their goals are, what their like, you know, in picture is for their life. And so I know how they talk with the whole COVID, all the gym shutting down and people becoming very like depressed and anxious and relationship issues and stuff like that. And so what I make up about those situations, for those folks is that they were using the gym as a coping skill which the gym working out is definitely an awesome coping skill but when does it become an unhealthy coping skill when does it come to be like an unhealthy addiction and so it's looking at like really like what's motivating for the individual and like just the reward versus the punishment for the that individual as well yeah so this is a a very apt topic right now and i don't want to be morbid here by any means but you know austin i'm sure that you've seen it where clients are like a lot of my clients are really really struggling mentally without the gym and then this week just passed we've we've had the loss of an amazing bodybuilder and a great friend and luke sando as well from his mental health um so it's yeah how how do we help that it's a huge issue in bodybuilding because bodybuilding attracts the mentally unstable already and then when something like this happens, you know, I can't think of a time that you would have been more needed, Dylan, to be honest, than now. Yeah, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. That's right. Go ahead, Austin. No, I was just going to say it's, <laughs> that's Joe's, to Joe's point, that's, that's exactly, I don't know the statistics on numbers, but I bet you if, if you had some type of survey that you had people fill out, I, I'm sure the majority would probably in a clinical sense would probably lean towards some type of like some type of disordered thinking you know what i mean that are that are not people that maybe go to the gym on a regular basis but people that are more in into the extreme right i mean it's it's an eating disorder it's an exercise disorder like it's all of those things mm. it's just yeah. about it really is to a point. It's just, but to your point, you, you know, like you said, it only really becomes an issue when it starts negatively impacting your life. But unfortunately it does for a lot of people, you know, so it's yeah, something that uh, was, I, sorry, I would say something that was intended to be good is now not good anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it goes back. I talked to this bodybuilder too uh, recently and then just how he and he, I listened to one of his podcasts, how he talked about how he was a, a drug addict um, way before. And then he found like, you know, he started to get into AA and A and started to lift and that just replaced the addiction. And mm -hmm. so and if he was able to battle that with like the support and the connection with people. And so I believe that not just only is the gym is a place to work out, but it's a way to be connected with people. There's some people that are very, you know, introverted and isolate. Um, they isolate or they're maybe they're maybe in, I know a lot of people body 
builders are the gamers. So they wake up, they do their meals, they game, they go to the gym and they come home and game and just, they don't drink, they don't go out parties like that. They have friends, but the gym is definitely a way for connection. So without connection, that's where there's a lot of addiction too. So when they're disconnected from society, their families, their friends, the gym, that social aspect of life, that's when the addiction starts to creep up too and just becomes a hindrance on that person's life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's a good, I think that's a pretty good um, kind of overview. I mean, what, in terms of like your actual business, could you give us maybe a, just like a bare bones breakdown on types of services that you intend to offer? Yeah, definitely. And then you can always, um, people can check it out. It's a stronger you, just the letter U dash lifecoaching.com. And then um, I offer free consultations up to 30 minutes and everything. And since I'm up and going, I definitely plan on, um, I've already talked to you. I've talked to other coaches too. But if they have any clients, Currently, I'm going to be doing free sessions with them and just free um, services just to get, like, you know, my name out there more and network and everything like that. Just to you said that, man. You're going to get a few fucking messages now. <laughs> yeah, yep. definitely. You, be ready. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, and so with the um, – I have multiple services, like the unlimited chat services and everything. Is that all the prices are ranging, too. Um, and so just – um, if they're if they want to take the service where you can just text, email, Facebook message, I'm getting my Instagram up to um, my Facebook business page too. They can. It's just something an easier way for them to text me questions or any concerns they have throughout the day or evening stuff like that. Weekends I can get back to them via texting or email. And then other things are like video sessions, uh, and they're monthly packages as well. So um, anywhere from thirty it's minutes. It's like coaching. It's like our coaching structure. It's, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a monthly package. Cause um, I know with like, so psychotherapy um, and like mental health, like for, for right now, like my practice, uh, I charge 125 for an hour session and that's once a week or sometimes depending on like a person that's twice a week. And I know some uh, psychologists and therapists charge anywhere from 200 to 250 an hour. So I wanted to, and since this is a therapy, I wanted to make it, um, more affordable for people too. I, that's why I want to do monthly packages. But I also offer that one hour intensive session too that could be ongoing as well. And so it goes from, like you said, 30 minute video sessions to 60 minute video sessions and then hour one time intensive type, type stuff too. And eventually, once I get my name out there and I have more clients, my goal is to do like, you know, like for people that are competing, maybe do like weekend intensives or people post competition or whatnot, do like half day intensives, like three, four hour, like, like straight with some breaks, obviously in between, um, or weekends where I travel to them, they travel to me or we just do it over the phone or video for like the whole weekend and working on some issues that might be, have been bothering them in their entire lives. They're just like, you know, they've had enough of it. And they're like, you know, I want to, work on this and get through it so I can be a better like you know I can be I can perform better feel better stuff like that definitely man so anybody listening that wants to get in touch with Dylan I'm going to put all of that information in the show notes below or if you're on social media it'll be in the description box below um that sounds awesome man with the free initial sessions as well I think people definitely take advantage of that and see the amount of value that can that Dylan can offer you there because very unique and a missing piece of the puzzle for me i've immediately had quite a few clients spring to mind that have been struggling recently that i'm gonna refer to you immediately 
Um, well, I appreciate that, it. Thanks. That's really cool. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I just I'm curious to see how everything unfolds. Like I said, I think it's a it's a good idea. We need it for sure. It's very very much needed. Cool. Well, thank you, Dylan, for coming on and explaining all of that. Um, you've definitely piqued my interest, so I'm going to get in touch. I'm going to get my wife to get in touch as well. Um, get some of her clients onto you because I think in the female world as well, not something that we mentioned much in here but it's definitely a needed service anybody that wants to reach out to dylan everything is going to be in the description box <clears throat> all the show notes below please do you know you got nothing to lose if you're offering a free consultation you know just see what value you can get take it or leave it you know nothing to lose there awesome well thank you joe thank you also for having me i appreciate it and if you guys definitely have any questions feel free to give me a call message me stuff like that awesome Thanks, Dylan. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.